0: Welcome to the Two Acre Homestead Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa. And on this week's episode, we are talking about inflation proofing your pantry. Come along with us on our journey from a small suburban homestead lifestyle to our new lifestyle homesteading in the rural countryside of southern Arizona. We'll share with you our tips, tricks, successes, and failures from both our past suburban lifestyle to our new rural lifestyle, all on the Two Acre Homestead. Thanks for tuning in this week. And I, before we get started on our topic of the day, I wanted to reach out to you, my listeners, those of you ha- who have been supporting our podcast since we very first started, and I wanted to say, thank you. Thank you for the support. It is amazing to me when I look at our statistics and I can see that there are some of you that are listening to us from Japan, from South Africa, to Europe, to England, Um, and then there's some of you in North Carolina, here in the United States, and Michigan, all over the place. And it is amazing to me that you all tune in week after week. It just makes me happy. Um, As a podcast host, it it just really just brings me joy and it makes me want to up my game and make sure I am giving you all good content, something that you can listen to and that will make a difference in your life. So thank you for the support. And also I wanted to say before we get started that we are going to be having an upcoming episode that we are going to need your input. It's my hope to do a QA and a question and answer episode. And I realized in all this time I've been doing this podcast, there's no way for you to reach me. Um, so let me just say verbally here on the podcast, if you would like to participate in an upcoming question and answer episode, please feel free to email me at lisa at the two acre homestead.com. My email address is lisa at the two acre homestead.com. Dot com. Give me your questions and I will read them on the podcast and answer them directly. And also let me know in the email if you feel comfortable with me using your name, um, because I do understand privacy. And so just let me know if that's something that you're comfortable with. Okay, on with our topic of the day inflation proofing your pantry. That is something that whether you are a homesteader or not, everybody is feeling the pinch. When you go to the store, whether you're going to a feed store or to the grocery store, whatever you're doing, you're starting to realize and recognize that your buying power has been limited because the price of things are going up up and up. Now, when it comes to what is causing inflation, that is a topic I am not going to discuss because at the end of the day, it you know, there's nothing that you or I can do about it and whatever the cause is, it's really up to history. History will decide what the cause is. But we want to focus on, I want to focus on, how you can inflation-proof your pantry, how you can keep up with what's going on. So I have several items, several ideas here to help with inflation-proofing your pantry. So my first tip is stock up on staples that you consume This is important. I I hear a lot of people say, stock up, stock up, stock up, stock up on staples. Okay. If you don't eat beans and rice like my family, we're not big on beans and rice. I'm not stocking up on beans and rice because it's not something that my family likes to consume. I mean, we eat it, but it's not something that we could live off of. I'll put it that way. So you want to stock up on the staple. Things, the bare basic things that you and your family consume, you eat on a weekly basis. And realize that when you are stocking up on these staples, you're going to need to store them properly. So you want to find out how do you store things? Do you keep them in plastic bags? Should you put them in buckets um, with a gamma seal on top of them? Should you put them in mylar bags? It just really depends on how long you want to keep these goods. Um, But that's something that you can do your own research on. And maybe in the future, we can talk about that a little further but you want to know how to store your goods. Another staple that you would want to um, stock up on, in addition to things like your beans and your grains, your, your basic food stuff, I always tell people stock up on tin can goods. It's important to do that as much as possible. Now I'm a huge advocate for canning and I can every week, no joke, every week I pressure can water bath can and or dehydrate something every week. I'm always doing some sort of home food preservation, but I also store a lot of tin can foods, things like green beans, because my family loves green beans and carrots, and meat. Um, For example, I store a lot of canned chicken, um, canned meats like that. And there's a reason why I do that. And, And the main reason why is... If there's a flood, those cans are likely going to survive. Those cans can survive fluctuating temperatures that glass jar canned foods cannot. And I am speaking from personal upfront experience. I have experienced it where the power has been out and my home canned foods have, they've popped open. I've lost the seals. You know, at the time I was living, uh, my husband and I were living in Phoenix, Arizona, where the temperatures get extremely hot. Um, we're talking like 117 to 120 degrees Fahrenheit in the summer. So that's extremely hot. Um, so as a backup plan, we always like to have 10 canned goods as well. Tin can goods are also good because if you go camping like we do, sometimes you can even cook things in a tin can. So they kind of do double double duty. But I would if at all possible store tin canned foods as well. My second tip is to cook with what you have what you already have on the shelf it seems obvious but especially those of us who have lived in the city when you know you can just run down the street and go to your local fast food joint or your local restaurant you can run and pick something up because you know mom's having a bad day and she doesn't really feel like cooking. And so, you know, we're just going to go buy something. You can fall into that trap, into that habit. And what winds up happening is, is that you're not cooking the things that you already have. And that can be a problem, not only for the financial side, because you're spending extra money. Instead of spending your money on, you're spending your money on something that's temporary rather than spending your money that on something that's going to stay and last on the shelf. But also you're altering your family's dietary habits. And based on, you know, what they cook, what they um, put in the food, you might be doing some damage to your family's health. Because a lot of times fast food restaurants cook with a lot of salt. Sometimes they cook with MSG. Those things are not good for you. So cook, you know, cook what you already have. And this really means that you as a homemaker or whoever is in charge of the pantry, this means that you have to do some work you have to know what you have. So this means you are You may need to have an inventory, depending on how big your pantry is. You may have to inventory things. And that's actually really not a bad idea to have an inventory because then you know what is on your shelf. Um, and the other thing is, It will help you because instead of running down to your local fast food joint because mom's doesn't feel like cooking, well, now if you know that's your family's habit, that's your habit, you like to have a day off, guess what? Start putting convenience foods on your pantry. Yeah. Foods that are convenient where all you have to do is open them up and boom, there's dinner. Because let's face it, all of us parents, all of us moms, whether you're a parent or not, everybody has those days where you don't feel like cooking. And it gets monotonous after a while when you're cooking. And believe me, I know because I cook three meals a day, every single day of my life, except for Sundays. (laughs) Sundays is kind of my you know, mom, mom usually can get a break on Sunday since I'm the main cook of the family, but know what you have on your shelf. And because of having an inventory list, that helps with the third point, which is go shopping. When you go shopping, go with a grocery list, go with a list. I know it sounds basic, but Believe you me, I know this is one of my hardest things to do because I go to the grocery store and sometimes I even have a list and I'll get extra things. Having a list, at least at the very bare minimum, helps you get the essential things. Even if you're a person like me, I go off the rails and I'm like, Ooh, I see this or Ooh, I see that have a list <laughs> because it will help you rein in that I don't even know what to call that 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 distraction that oh ooh this looks good that looks good this looks good I know one thing that's helped me to not veer off of my list is I shop very early in the morning. And when I say very early in the morning, I'm talking, I get to my grocery store anywhere between 6.30 and 7 o'clock in the morning. I know that sounds obnoxious, but it helps because I'm so tired that I just want to get in and out and at home and sit down with a cup of coffee. So I'm usually in a hurry. So I put myself in kind of a situation so that I have to stick to task and just stick to that list. The other thing that I help, if you're like me, getting off of the list, off of your grocery list, one thing that helps me never ever shop with an empty stomach. Let me tell you, my friend, that is the worst thing you can do to yourself because everything looks good when you're hungry and you're trying to shop for food. You're just, it's not, you are setting yourself up for failure. So go, you know, you can either put yourself in a situation where you, you have to hurry up and shop with your list or, and, or don't go hungry. When you go grocery shopping. When you also when you go grocery shopping, look for sales. Look for manager specials. Don't be afraid to look at the expiration date of things, especially when you're dealing with meats um, and dairy. I can't tell you how many times I have found deals at stores. Where I've looked at the expiration date, and the expiration date is the day that I am buying that food. And I will march over to a manager and point that out and say, Can you give me a discount? Don't be afraid to ask because the worst thing, the, the worst response that they can say to you is no. So don't be afraid to ask for a discount on anything. My fourth tip is to shop in bulk. It shopping in bulk, it, it took me, and honestly, it took me years to wrap my head around that because of the sticker shock. When you shop in bulk, you're your upfront cost may look like it's more expensive but when you stop and you you really analyze it when you buy in bulk you're likely spending less per unit bulk shopping has everything to do with the most important secret of shopping I don't hear enough people talk about this, and that is unit prices, price per unit of whatever it is. When you shop based on unit prices, you are saving yourself worlds of money, lots of money. Even though the upfront upfront price might, give you some sticker shock but at the end when you were pricing things out by unit you were able to buy more than if you bought something that was small and had a and had a more expensive unit price so shop in bulk whenever wherever you possibly can Again, for myself, it doesn't matter what I'm buying at the grocery store. I always, always look at that unit price, whether I'm buying in bulk or not. But especially when buying in bulk, look at your unit price, because that is where your savings is. The fifth tip is the old adage, we've all heard it, waste not, want not. Do not waste anything when you are cooking. So that means, like for example, for myself, we are on a homestead, we have chickens, and we have rabbits. When I am cutting up a salad, um, and I'm just using this as an example, when I'm cutting up a head of romaine lettuce, for example, I may not want to eat the part of the lettuce that's all the way at the end. Most people would probably just chuck that out, throw it out into the trash. We don't. We give that to our animals, whether it's the rabbits or the chickens, it doesn't matter. Um, so save your kitchen scraps for if you have animals, save it for your animals If you don't have animals, compost it. Start learning how to compost. And if you compost it, that comp that's going to eventually turn into soil. And that soil you're going to want to use to grow food. Zero waste in the kitchen. When it comes time to buying things like chicken. Do your best to buy things with bone in. Now on the surface, that doesn't sound like it's a good idea, but when you're looking at wasting nothing in your kitchen, you might be able to, and you could use the bones in your chicken and in your beef and whatever meat that you're cooking Use those bones to make a broth. So what I like to do is I'll take those bones and I will save them. I'll put them in the freezer and at least about once a week or actually once every two weeks, what I'll do is I'll take some of the bones out and I will make, oops, sorry, I will make a broth like a bone broth, a chicken broth or beef broth. And I'll use that in my cooking. And then the excess bones, since they've been, you know, boiled to death, and they're at a point where, I mean, you can just practically crumble them in your hand. What I do with those bones is I compost them and they turn, they turn into wonderful soil. Waste not, want not. And the other thing in that same vein is freeze your leftovers. If you have leftovers, and I know for myself, this is something I'm trying to work on too. Take your leftovers, freeze them, save them. Don't let them go to waste. Um, it's amazing to me modern refrigerators, the way they're designed, especially the ones that have the um freezer on the bottom and there's a two-door uh refrigerator. It has two doors on either side. At least that's the one that we have. And um they're so deep, those refrigerators. Things can get lost in the back of those refrigerators all the time. So do not waste your leftovers. Look for the leftovers, hunt them down, throw them in the freezer. You can eat them on a different day. Let's see here. Tip number six is probably my most important tip of all. Grow your own food. Do whatever you can to grow your own food, even if it's just growing herbs, grow herbs. You know, if you cook from scratch and you're cooking from home, like you should, you're going to need herbs. Herbs are important for seasoning. They're important for your health. Um, they help you to stay balanced in, in your health. They're, they're fantastic to have. So whether it's herbs, whether you're growing, you know, a market garden, or you have a simple potager or a, a, um, a kitchen garden, grow your own food, as much of your own food as you possibly can. Um, this is the year to do it. If you have never done it before, this is the year to run out, get your seeds, And, you know, people can get really persnickety about, uh, about seeds. You know, it's like, oh, you know, it has to be organic and, you know, you don't, don't get GMO. And let me just give you a pro tip. If you're a regular backyard gardener, there's no way for you to afford a GMO genetically modified organism type seed. Those are very expensive seeds and they don't sell them. For the general public, those are highly scrutinized seeds. But if you are just trying to start out, get whatever seeds you can. It doesn't have to be organic. I have seeds. Most of my seeds are organic. I will admit, most of my seeds are organic. The reason why people will say, you should get organic seeds is because of the chemicals that people have used to produce, you know, the fruit that produces the seeds. And that it could be leached, you know, those chemicals that they've used could be leached into the seed and affect your crop. It's possible. I'm going to counter that though, and say this, get whatever seed you can afford. Whatever you can afford to grow, grow, whether it's organic or not, whether you got it at a big box store or you ordered it online from some specialty seed place, get what you can afford. Even if the chemicals were used to produce the fruit that produces the seed, so you're buying seed that is non-organic, that whatever food you're growing is going to be 10 times healthier. Even with that, it's going to be 10 times healthier than the chemical laden produce that you're going to be buying at the store. So do what you can, do what you can afford, grow your own food. And I'm sorry, I got a little bit on a rabbit trail. It's just because I think sometimes people can make gardening more complicated than what it needs to be. And I think as for those of us like myself who have been gardening and growing their food for some time. I think by making it so complicated for the average person, it can really put them off and make them say the one thing that just angers me. Their response is, that's a lot of work. That's just too hard. And in reality, it isn't. It is not hard at all. But Again, like I said, I've gone off on a little rabbit trail, <laughs> I've gone off on a little tangent today, but grow your own food, grow as much as you can, grow what you can afford. That is my tip for the day. So actually those are my six tips for inflation proofing your pantry and um, getting as much food as you possibly can in your pantry, and don't be embarrassed about stockpiling your pantry. I I can't tell you how many people I have met who get embarrassed by, you know, oh, I've, I've put a lot in my pantry. Good. You should. It's not hoarding. It's called being prepared. <laughs> it's called insulating yourself from those high prices that are just coming down. They are just, we're all staring at all of these high prices. So I hope that these six tips serve you well. Um, I hope that, you know, it gives you some insights, some tips and tricks on what you can do to inflation-proof that pantry. So I hope that this podcast finds you and your family in good health and in good spirits. And until next time, be safe out there.